fellow fiends. Welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore. Your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to another episode of Nightmare on Film Street. I'm John. I'm Kim. And today we are here to talk about two snowy slashers. Two Christmas-tastic picks. Holiday horrors and whatnot. Clearly we had some backup titles. <laughs> <laughs> but this week we are here to talk about Black Christmas from 2006 and Silent Night from 2012. Two remakes from the aughts that... Uh, well, I guess I technically watched them for the first time. I had seen Black Xmas before, but I don't think I'd given it the full uninterrupted viewing that those eyeball pulls deserve. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of eyeball pulls. Kim, before we get started, what's keeping you creepy this week? Well, it is the end of 2019. I don't know if you're aware, but it's the end of 2019. So we've been dropping our best of 2019 list over at nofspodcast.com. We'll also be dropping some of our best of the decade lists over there throughout the holiday season. And, you know, I'm not... I'm not saying that it's going to appear, but Silent Night qualifies for Best of the Decade. <laughs> Released 2012. Just saying, it's in the mix. It was, it was a contender? Yeah, yeah. It was a candidate. It wasn't a contender. It was on the board. <laughs> we also just dropped our bonus episode, the us counting down our top tens of the year, here on the feed, wherever you're grabbing this podcast, we were going to save it for um, actual Christmas Day or Boxing Day, but we decided to drop it early. So if you haven't listened to that yet, you can totally enjoy us pretending it's Christmas, even though it's oh, not man. yet. <laughs> or save it till Christmas. We'll, we're totally in festive spirits. It, we, we, we do mention the fact that it isn't Christmas when we're recording it, but we talk as though we're, like, we're trying to give you our thoughts on how our Christmas went. <laughs> like in pajamas drinking nog, eating leftovers. Really, it's like December 12th. <laughs> For the most part, we talk about how great it is to own a car. That's something I remember oh. talking about a lot. We didn't talk about that, did no, we? No, we didn't talk about that. But we're feeling it now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter or Instagram, you probably already know that I got into a car accident over the weekend, and it... it it's our... very horrific. It is <laughs> definitely the creepiest thing that happened to it's us definitely this what's, week. definitely what's keeping me creepy. Uh, yeah. I no, watched Die Hard. <laughs> it was an interesting day. Yeah, nobody got hurt. Uh, any, nobody at all involved. There were three cars in total. Uh, ours doesn't exist anymore. No, ours is dead. John, did your life flash before your eyes? Uh, did you think of all the movies you haven't seen yet? <laughs> there's so did many. Did you think about your watch list on the Criterion channel? <laughs> no, for the most part, I was just thinking about how I'm I'm not going to get my hair cut. And I still haven't. That is the real horror that I'm living with right now, is this unkept dew that I have on the top of my head. It's 
what are people going to think of me on Christmas Day? My family's going to disown me if I don't get a haircut. Maybe you have to take the bus. <laughs> yeah, I think I do. Right now, that is my only option, taking the bus. Yeah, unfortunately, with the, the accident, we were running a little bit behind with our mailings. So those of you who are patrons and were expecting your Krampus card, they are still coming. We are still mailing them out. We were a little bit delayed in, um, obviously, we were tied up over the weekend. We had to take John to the hospital. Yeah, I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> but uh, we're definitely going to get them all out. Unfortunately, some of you may not get them before Christmas, especially those of you across the pond. But we're thinking of you. We're sending you cards. They're enjoy, in the mail right now. Enjoy them over New Year's. And speaking of patrons, we do have some new patrons to shout out. And, you know, to give John a break because he's been through such an experience uh, the last... I don't know how many hours in the week, 50, uh, whatever. The last several days, I'm going to take on the shout outs, um, crack my knuckles. Just bear with me because uh, John did improv. I've never done improv. So this is going to be. I did improv. You, you've improved. <laughs> oh, sure. You've so I was improv? in an improv troupe. For <clears throat> this is just in a report. <laughs> From Santa Claus. You're already creating a better world than I've ever done. <laughs> I don't know. Um, some last minute additions to the naughty or nice list. This is the nice list side. <laughs> Do you have names on the naughty list to read out loud publicly? It's just yours. Oh. <laughs> New additions to the nice list. Thomas, Adrian, Brandy, Lisa, Danielle, Sean, Barbara, Mackenzie, Martin and Troy, y'all are not getting cold this year. Asterisk around that. I don't know what's under your tree right now. <laughs> oh, I hope there's a big pile of cold Can for you this imagine? one person. <laughs> like, they promised. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why Santa decided to unveil his nice list on a horror podcast like four days before Christmas. There you go. And see. Jumping around a whole lot here. Before the car accident, while we still had the ability to drive from town to town to town looking oh, for a movie. Oh, I forgot we even had to do that. Yeah, we went to go see Black Christmas at our local cinema. And they weren't, there was a problem with the projector. They, they pulled said. it right before the screening. Yeah, and every other theater just wasn't playing it. So we had to drive way out of the way to go see it. No big deal. When you have a car. Yeah, no big deal when you have a car. Uh, but, you know, we saw it. We recorded a bonus drive home from the drive-in review of our full thoughts immediately after leaving the theater, which you can hear over at patreon.com slash nightmare on film street. We also have uh, my written review at nofspodcast.com, and that is not behind a paywall, so you can read my opinion there. That said, can't really say that I loved this movie. Yeah, no, I wasn't a huge fan. Yeah. Which is sad because I really went into it wanting to love it. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, I do with everything, but especially things that are Christmassy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And I'd watch the trailer. I thought it was, I thought it looked really good. I still I, think it's a good trailer. I've watched it since. I've forgotten the trailer, but after the movie, you showed me the trailer, and uh, it was a good trailer. It's also got some things Which is hard that to say. Yeah, it's hard to say because it does definitely go a little bit farther in the movie than I would have liked. And I think a lot of people, because there was a little bit of a an uproar before the movie came out. And I, you know, tried to like steer clear of it because I didn't want to color my expectations for the film before I saw it. Yeah. So I kind of just stayed away from it and I stayed away from the trailer. And the trailer was cut really well. Oh, if yeah. If it didn't matter what happened in the, the final act of the film, if that makes sense. That makes like, sense. if it was not important or it wasn't supposed to be a surprise. There were also some cool things in the trailer that uh, weren't in the movie that 
kind of bummed me out because they were some cool elements to, yeah. that I think further fleshed out the the third act surprise, the third act change. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sad that they weren't in there. I think it would have made the twist feel a little bit more fleshed out. Yeah, I, th- I can completely understand why those changes were made to try and... Uh... Obviously, we're trying to keep this spoiler free for those yeah. of you who haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, and like, there's a really good interview on the website, actually, uh, that Rachel Prynne had done, one of our writers, who interviews April Wolf, uh, the co-writer of the movie, who who wrote it with the director, uh, Sophia Tikal. She's got a lot of great things to say about why they wrote the movie that they wrote, and uh, they're, they're getting a lot of good feedback from, from younger audience viewers as well. Uh, I don't think my feelings of the movie have anything to do with how much I love the original Black Christmas, because you're going to hear me talk about another version of Black Christmas in a few minutes that's nuts and nothing like the original. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just, unfortunately, I, I just didn't really think it was for me all that much. Uh, not really the end of the world, no big deal. But if you want to hear our full thoughts, of course, they are waiting for you over at Patreon. Before we get started, I just want to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you in part by the Parabasis podcast from Next Day Theater. They have a two-part episode available right now called Red Ice. It's a found footage horror comedy podcast that's done in the style of John Carpenter's The Thing. Also plays on elements of, you know, of course, Blair Witch Project uh, and Aliens about a documentary news crew who goes to interview a crew at an oil research facility and of course things go wrong from there. Uh, You can get that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Tuned In. That's the Parabasis podcast from from next day theater and one last thing on the docket we just want to let you know that because we dropped our bonus episode early this will be our last podcast of 2019 this is 2019 in the can for nightmare on film street yeah we will be back at you with our regular full-length episode on january 2nd if you want to pre-watch the movies we actually talk about them in the end of the bonus episode so you can check out those films or not. It's up to you. But we are going to be enjoying our Christmas without our car. <laughs> yeah. But with our dog. and With our horror movie collection. Thankfully, I don't keep those in the trunk. Yeah, can you oh, imagine? Oh, boy. Yeah, just like... <laughs> just like, who's that woman sobbing on the side of the road? Like, oh, my wife, she drove up from our house and she is just distraught. She lost her Blu-ray copy of Creepshow 2 today. Oh She's my having... God, can you imagine? <laughs> like all of the Arrow videos. We were so All fine. of the Vinegar Syndrome <laughs> We were so fine at the accident. Like we grabbed a like a reusable bag. I and almost we were... took a selfie in front of the car. <laughs> we were just emptying like the bag of the trunk and like clearing out all of our shit while they hooked it up to a tow truck and everybody was like looking at us because we were so calm about it but yeah. I mean you were fine everybody else was fine like yeah. peace out Ev- car everybody's going home everybody's cool I'm just happy we're all gonna have Christmas I said Merry Christmas to the guy who hit me he was stunned he did not know <laughs> what to do with that well it's not like I ran up to him I was like hey man how's it going Merry Christmas I was just like okay well he you said, know well, he like, was so sad and he felt very apologetic oh, yeah, 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 no. it's, it's, it's hard and like, it's just an unfortunate situation it happened so fast like yeah, there's Shit nothing happens. to do about it. Now I just got to prove to the insurance company that it wasn't my fault, which is going to be a whole other story unto itself. Uh, on more exciting matters, we're going to talk about Christmas and Christmas horror movies because those put everybody in a great mood. Are you ready to get into it? I'm very ready. Because we already did. <laughs> the next half of this episode is pre-recorded. <laughs> well, that's good. Let's start off with Silent Night from 2012. Christmas. The number one holiday for people going nuts. Listen, we've got a lead on our killer from the motel. He's wearing a Santa suit and a mask. 
hiding in plain sight. What if he was punishing them? We're just gonna have to take this maniac down ourselves. Christmas Eve is the scariest damn night of the year. Silent Night from 2012, currently sitting at 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. Technically, that's certified fresh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 5.2 out of 10 on IMDb, 53% on Metacritic, and a 2.6 out of 5 rating on Letterboxd. I take Letterboxd to be the kind of crowd that's very into late night, Friday night, have a shot of whiskey before you watch it movies, but apparently not. Uh, this is a Christmas movie. I feel like everybody watching it is in the Christmas spirit and wants something fun and something uh, entertaining. And this movie is very entertaining. <laughs> this movie's got it all. You got a Santa Claus with a flamethrower. <laughs> You've got Malcolm McDowell delivering one-liners. You've got lens flares for days. Lens flares for days. <laughs> and the holly jelly christmas spirit i guess i mean we're all looking for a new christmas horror movie i think you oh and boy. i just found ours i i okay this was the first time we've ever seen this film neither john or i had watched it previously i don't even know if it was on my radar at all it came out in 2012 so like, like we're aware of it where the fuck was i well, i mean like uh, what's it gonna be like you know i am so happy i got to watch this movie for the first time because i feel like there are not enough bad slashers <laughs> that you can watch for the first time <laughs> like so oh, bad i don't know every time so i look bad, at like it's air. good mm. And it's Christmassy. When are we going to get that again? How, how do we live in a world where we saw Christmas Evil before we saw Silent Night? This movie came out at a time where we were looking for this kind of movie and we yeah. just skipped it somehow? Yeah, I mean, complete spoiler alert. We are being very kind and loving to this movie. Just so you know, we do not like this oh, film. Oh, this movie is garbage. This film is trash. And I love it. <laughs> but uh, it's the best kind of trash. It's Christmas trash. It is trash with Christmas lights on it. I still haven't rated it on Letterboxd because I don't know how to do that. Oh, H- How do you say it? it's not good? Please watch it. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So, holy moly. Did you, did you have any idea, like, what you were getting into? Well, I assumed that it came out. Uh, after the Black Christmas remake, which we're going to be talking about very shortly. And uh, that was about it. Like, I was like, oh, it's going to be that type of slasher. It's it's a mid-2000s hack em up you know, pretend. It's It, it was, it was going to be a movie that knew it was dumb, was kind of what I was in for. Uh, and it, it delivered. It, oh, did it deliver? Yeah, so in terms of being a remake or a reboot, it is very loosely termed remake because they they essentially like sat down watched silent night deadly night the original film and made a checklist of like okay what has to appear in this movie and it's it's grandpa coming to life (laughs) to threaten the character whether or not it's the same character is relevant or not oh Um, boy santa has to give a little girl something a la the scene in grinch (laughs) yeah 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 he's got to impale somebody on some deer horns 
And, and we got to mention garbage day. That's it. <laughs> oh, garbage day. Yeah. And that's that's a little Easter egg for the second film. It's a fan-made reboot. Is exactly what it is. Oh boy! But what I was gonna say is absolutely nothing else about this movie is Silent Night, Deadly Night. Not at all. Nothing else. The Santa is random. Yeah. Um. I I think it was maybe an effort to make more of these because it they, they try comes and make to them different towns. Yeah. I I love how she's talking to a Santa Claus, and every Santa Claus working in this town is very disgruntled. Well, and just people are dressed as Santa Clauses, like that one guy at the bar who ends up being a red herring. He hates Christmas, and he's like a steel mill worker. He's just drinking at the bar. Wait, wasn't he also working as Santa? And I don't know. I think he was just in a Santa Claus costume. Okay. Now, You know why I think he was in a Santa Claus costume? Because he was heeding the urban legend about the Santa who came and killed people who didn't have Christmas cheer. So even though he hated Christmas, he was wearing a Santa Claus costume so he wouldn't get murdered because he had cheer. That's my theory. That is a very superstitious steel worker. He's very superstitious. Okay. Because nothing else about him screams Santa. I just assumed he was blowing his Santa pay at the bar. Also, there were a lot of murderous Santas. Because the main murderous Santa is not the only Santa who tries to murder our lead character. Actually, wait. Quick question before we get any further. Can you name one character in this movie that likes Christmas? The lead, uh, the lead girl's dad. Oh. He is Santa Claus. That's a really good point. Yeah. And she totally, she's like, the beginning of the movie, we're following a, is she a deputy or is she just an officer? Uh, you know, in fact, in the credits, she's not listed as either an officer or a deputy. It's just um, uh, Aubrey Bradamore. Okay, so we're following Officer Aubrey. She's waking up. She doesn't, She she's, it's Christmas Eve. She doesn't want to work that day, but her boss. She's not supposed to work that day. She's not supposed to work that day. But her boss, Malcolm McDowell, who we'll get to. Oh, we'll get to. Calls it. her in. And she says. It is the greatest phone call. <laughs> she says, basically, <laughs> that Christmas Eve is a really traumatic day yeah, for her. Really and she can't really come can't in. come in. And he's just like, well. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> I lost John last year at this time. He's she like, doesn't mm-hmm. say anything. No, 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 she does. She does. She does. She says, last year I lost John uh, or something like that. Like this time, it's the anniversary, one year anniversary of when I lost my husband, I assume. And he's like, okay, yep. See you in a bit. So <laughs> then inst- we <laughs> can't even. So she should be like upset and sad. And because- we follow her along her day where she's just checking in on the town folk. And there's so many shots of her just like smiling because <laughs> it's Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I can't leave. So sad. So, but, and as, as soon as she leaves the front door, like, mm, snow. Mm, I love this <laughs> And thing. she talks mm. to her parents before she leaves. Like, it is the first time she's ever spoken to her parents ever. <laughs> okay, honey. Well, you know, I think you're going to make a great cop. You get out there. It's good. Oh, just remember, as long as you have the Christmas spirit, blah, 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 blah. And as today is Christmas Eve, we're going to celebrate tomorrow by opening presents. Yeah, it's that stiff conversation you have with any of your family members when you just don't see them more than like twice a year at holidays. But she lives with them? I think she is has spent the last few days with them because it's it's tough time so she's gonna stay with her family because it's not like yeah. she's coming from out of town but she yeah, works, she works there. in that town i think she lives there i think she's lived there since whatever that makes that conversation the, even better the christmas previous i don't know it's just a really well, there isn't even a moment where she returns to her own house where like maybe we see she a lives picture with them. i guess you're right she lives there okay i buy it yeah okay so she's going about her day 
we completely glossed over the cold open where Santa has a selection of masks and he he kills two people and we don't necessarily know why. But I gotta say, one of the best kills of the entire movie. We don't see one of them, it happens off screen, but he's got a dude tied up to a chair in the basement with a whole bunch of Christmas lights strung around him. And it looks great. Yeah. Looks awesome. Yeah, the Christmas lights look wonderful. And they made me want to decorate immediately. I was just like, I want Christmas lights. Yeah, we, like, he teases us a little bit with like a whole bunch of like weapons and stuff. Like maybe he's going to use his Santa axe. Uh, but instead, he just like flips another switch and electrocutes him with the, the Christmas lights. And his eyeballs explode. His fucking eyeballs explode. Like nothing about that scene is spectacular. <laughs> but oh boy, are we in for it after that. The you, thing, oh, you know this movie's going to be good. The thing about this Santa is that none of it is from his perspective, which is different than Silent Night, Deadly Night. And we make him more of a, like, modern-day slasher villain. Yeah. In that he's more enigmatic, he's he's wearing a mask, he just appears to kill and disappears, and we're kind of with the townsfolk in, like, who is this guy? And it becomes this, who is this Santa who done it? Yeah. But it turns out this is just some visitor Santa who's maybe magical, which we'll touch on. <laughs> Because, yeah, how does he know that pe- he's very clearly killing people that are naughty? Naughty. Because uh, he's giving them coal. Oh, uh, that's so true. Yeah, he mails them all. How the fuck does he know? What did her dad do? Killed his dad. Right. <laughs> My mistake. <laughs> Cut to the end of the movie. Oh, boy. Yeah, my bad. I'm not going to lie to you. For some dumb reason, when we get to that reveal and we see that Aubrey's dad, who used to be a cop, who knows what it takes to be a cop and is sure she's a good cop, despite all the evidence that proves she ain't a good cop. Um, when I watch that scene of, you know, Blast from the Past, her dad shooting that Santa uh, with the flamethrower back in 1980-whatever, and there was a little boy, like, traumatized, watching from the, the passenger seat of a pickup truck. I just thought that was a random kid. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know why I, I didn't think it was his son. We, like, zoomed into evil, burnt-up Santa's mind. Yeah, I know. zoomed out in the, ki- in the kid's eye. I don't know why. I was just like, oh, some poor kid saw that. You know, I, maybe it's just because in the original Silent Night, Deadly Night, we just have a kid who experiences some trauma... I talking about he watches his parents get killed isn't there like a lot of oh yeah that whole draw uh, like drive thing yeah we're saying but they, like, don't they cut out all that orphanage stuff like isn't the orphanage a key fact yeah, that's all gone yeah so essentially silent night deadly night has kind of ha- already happened but in just like a weird way because i he... would say that silent night 2012 is like an amalgamation of silent night deadly night and christmas evil because that whole bit. on the steps thing reminds me of the church kill in Christmas Evil. Sure. Doesn't it? Yeah. The, all the flamethrower stuff kind of reminds me of Scrooge. I'm like, this is the Santa that Bill Murray wanted to see on TV. <laughs> it is. this year Santa's packing. <laughs> he just needed a turbo tank. Oh, boy. I want them to be so terrified <laughs> that they cannot watch. <laughs> when that old lady dies, like, ah! You can't buy this publicity. <laughs> is Scrooge dark enough? I think we could cover Scrooge. We should totally a do Scrooge. A Christmas Carol is a horror story. I, it's got this ghosts. This is the point I've been trying to make for years. <laughs> it is genuinely scary. I feel like we bring this up every Christmas. We probably do. This feels like a conversation we've had on the podcast I'm going to go ahead and assume 
every Christmas before, we've said, next year, we're doing Scrooge. But I this time, <laughs> I, I mean it. it. Next year, we're doing Scrooge. Oh, boy. Isn't there a Christmas horror story? Isn't that the thing that people like to watch? I, I don't know. This Santa, on the other hand, uh, has been stalking people, I guess, and figuring out. He just, he's just got like a hit list of people he wants to take down. And uh, people that are just being mean. But he also is on the fly about it, right? Like that little girl who's a dick to her mom. I'm so glad you brought this up. That's exactly what I was getting at. Yeah, like it's it, he, he had to have been spying on them and just like with his ear against the window. Because he just happens to show up when she's like, God damn it, mom, we're going to the fucking mall. I don't <laughs> I care about your her, fucking heart, heart bill. bill. <laughs> oh, that is so good. She's just like counting oh. pills out. Like on the table, she just smacks them out of her hand. <laughs> What are the mall? It's like, damn it, I gotta take my heart pills. Like, yeah, you thought. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't I don't know where mom goes. I guess she goes to get her coat and her wallet. Because, like, oh, the kid's yelling at me. I gotta I gotta. I thought maybe her. the kid was gonna have, like, supernatural powers. The way the mom oh, was like handling the like girl. Like, it's a Twilight Zone thing? She was, like, the omen. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta do what she says. Otherwise, she's gonna turn me into a jack-in-the-box. Well, there were a lot of weird, like, sort of magical musical cues and weird, like... Every time we saw Santa? Yeah. So yeah. I thought this was going to be a bit supernaturally. And then we see this evil child. <laughs> but then she gets uh, tased to death. She gets what's coming, yeah. yeah. She, gets, uh, she gets tased and then stabbed in the face, I think. I love that when Malcolm McDowell shows up to the house, she's like, don't go in there. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. And he's like, bitch, I'm at work right now. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm McDowell. I hated that kid. <laughs> is the greatest part of this movie he is he is giving this movie a hundred and ten percent i can't even describe how over the top his dialogue is it's like like he and the director and the producers were just having a great time whenever they weren't rolling and just like oh you know it'd be hilarious is if you did this and then so i have two theories my first theory is that he read everything off the page like exactly as it was written for him because the rest of the script is actually quite awful dialogue wise and scene wise like that if the the scene with the daughter and her mom is is just a, a snippet of the quality of this film like you you get the rest um or he never actually read the script and he's sure. just like i know who this cop is and i'm gonna just deliver it guys i've been watching season after season of the csi miami and i've got to tell you this david Ka- david carradine this Carradine fellow has got something going. Could my guy wear glasses? Like, well, I mean, it's it's winter. Like, nah. Don't put the avocado <laughs> on the burger. <laughs> what is up with that? Like, and then he starts, like, weaving that analogy into, like, every other piece uh, of conversation. you got hummus on you it. You got hummus on the burger. <laughs> I would like to just pause right here. If you ain't put avocado on your burger yet, you're missing out. Avocado burger is pretty good. Yeah, but you need like a like you need like a good tomato to go with it. Skip the ketchup because ketchup and avocado, I don't know, I ain't friends. The weird thing too about Malcolm McDowell's character is he does so many angry, like we're gonna catch him monologues. A lot when they're at the whiteboard <laughs> in the police station, but like a ton of them are on the walkie-talkie while his employees are trying to like do covert investigation <laughs> stuff like they're like 
SWAT style going to investigate this motel room. Yeah. And he's just ranting on their on their walkie talkie. And at like, some point why haven't they turned the volume on? I have no idea. Like they found a dead body and they haven't secured the perimeter yet. The killer could still be there. And at some point, uh Deputy Aubrey's got her hands full. Like she's got her phone in one hand and a flashlight in the other, and she's forgotten, like the actress, unfortunately, has forgotten that she needs to actually press the button on the walkie-talkie, so it's like she's just talking to Malcolm McDowell in the room. (laughs) (laughs) But the best part is we keep cutting, like, they're having a three-way conversation between Aubrey, Deputy Dummy, and and Malcolm McDowell, and every single one of them's got, like, their their shoulder up, and they got their chin pressed into their walkie-talkie, and she's just standing there like, I don't know what to do, Sheriff. I don't know what to do. What do I put on my burger again? Oh, man. And there's also a scene where our cop, Aubrey, she finds a dead body. But, like, there's, like, a one-upmanship of dead body finding. It's like, cancel everything. We have a body over here. And then we cut to her, and she's also found a dead body. So it's just, like, there's three cops in this town. One of them is already dead, and you guys are fucked yeah and within 20 minutes they've all got printed out files with crime scene photography Full eight by tens oh yeah yeah this is the longest christmas eve of all time i thought everybody was on break but no apparently we're pulling overtime oh another great Malcolm mcdowell line is where it's just like well the fb the fbi's on holiday so we gotta take this lunatic down ourselves <laughs> what what and then there's there are there are good chunks of this movie where we are shown a Christmas town and you know how beautiful it is and everything's covered in snow. And then the majority of our kills take place in just like a maybe cold area. There's no snow in sight. There are Christmas trees that have been brought in, but not a snowflake in sight. I, now I'm questioning my eyesight if I ever did actually see snow. Cause it might've just been like careful angles and like cobblestone pavement. Maybe. But nobody, nobody seems cold when they're outside. Barely. Uh, I guess I'm just thinking of that one scene where the, that 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 topless woman is running. That she doesn't look cold at all. No, and you don't see anybody's breath. I mean, like we're in a we're in a wood chipper at this point. I mean, so come they on. had enough energy to after effect every single light in this movie. They could have put some after effect breath. <laughs> yeah, they could have done it. I mean, like I'm sure Titanic didn't use all of the breath that they that they used. They, there's probably some left over. <laughs> That's a dumb joke. It was dumb. <laughs> Keeping it. <laughs> oh, man. So I don't, you know, if you like lens flares, cool. Good on you, man. Use them. I, I guarantee they are all done after effect. There's no way this is all happening in camera. Oh, there man. Is... Every flashlight in this movie goes from, like, the left side of the screen to the right side there of the screen. There are whole scenes where she is stalking through a house, and the director is definitely, like, Point that flashlight in front of the camera. In the, directly in the camera. I'm t- do it. Do it. And I, oh, like, every light source in this movie just bleeds into every other aspect of the scene. And it's fine. It's funny. But. I like it. I mean, if you're, if you're into lens flares, like, just don't make a Christmas movie. There are so <laughs> many. There are so many lights everywhere. Like, the, the Christmas tree was just glowing like an angel <laughs> which maybe is a compliment i don't know but don't and then know. at one point the final showdown is in the police uh office police station that's there what you call go. them and the power gets knocked out and their emergency <laughs> lights are red in and every green. room <laughs> except for their, their jail, jail cell, cell which is like neon green <laughs> but why why because christmas 
Oh, okay, that's a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite kill of this movie? Oh, um, I have to say the mayor's daughter in the guest house with the okay. throw in the axe kill because I secretly believe that this was going to be Silent Night 3D. Oh, you think they were working toward that? I feel like they oh, maybe you get they those just deer antlers pointing towards you. They Here's... didn't get the budget, and not even the deer antler thing. I can I can live without the Lene Quigley callback. Okay, it's the axe hitting the ankle, and just how he just say. like stands there and shoves it, and also her whole reaction on the bed, her whole little striptease sequence, and if you're not if you got all across the room, who's in the bathroom? There it is, was just precious. There is a lot of very awful dirty talk during that whole scene, though, where she's going down on him. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really, really bad. I forgot bad. about that. And there's just like, it's cold outside, but not in here. And, he's, and he's like, oh, well, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> like, come <laughs> on. I, I do love that he... he he has trained for years to throw an axe with absolute precision, and instead of just like burying it in her, he's just like, "No, nah, I'm just, go- I'm just gonna take out, take out that little uh, Achilles tendon." Ha! <laughs> That's where you gotta go. That's what horror audiences both hate and love to see. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's the, it's the cringe slot. <laughs> also, we go directly from that to him giving a little girl a bloody candy cane. And it's very confusing because there's no indication that he's left the guest house where they are and gone back into the main house where the I little girl is. I forgot that she was sisters with the other girl. I was very confused. I was like, did I miss something? Did something get cut? Like, It's weird. It's weird. It's just like, why is this girl in the same room as this this disgusting, embarrassing blowjob? Like, it shouldn't be happening. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, I guess that's true about the first movie, too, I guess. It's sad, though, because that scene is really wonderful in the original film and... Him handing, is it the scissors? No, he gives her like an exacto blade. Yes, an exacto blade. It's, it's blade. a murder. That weapon. is such a like an awesome dark moment I love in it. Silent Night, Deadly Night, and it it has it kind of encompasses like the whole creepy Santa nature of the film. And then in this one, when he gives her the candy cane because she's good, it makes the Santa a lot less. I don't it's know. like he's doing actual Santa work. Yeah, just like instead of giving coal, he's cutting people up. Yeah. Or electrocuting them. He we, has no yeah, preference. Or wood chippering them. Yeah. What's a wood chipper doing at a, at a tree farm? I guess it's Christmas Eve if they don't sell them by Christmas they Eve. Just, they just grind them up. <laughs> maybe. I mean, maybe, yeah, it's, yeah. I guess. What does happen to the Christmas trees that don't get bought? Next Pixar movie. That's how we'll find out. Paper? <laughs> they can turn to paper? I don't know. Oh man, hopefully something. That is a great question. Now I have the urge to buy every single Christmas tree I see on Christmas Eve. Like, oh, I'll still love you. I have the opposite urge. I want to go after Christmas and just hang out and just see what happens. I'll save you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Collection is December 28th, so you have them for two more days. <laughs> I, I have no idea why they decided they were going to make this more of a whodunit. With these, like, bad Santas. Yeah. Because... There's a whole bunch of them. Most of the movie, our main cop, Aubrey, is trying to solve the case of who the Santa murderer is. While also answering, like, phone calls about disgruntled Santas. Yeah, and, and listening to Malcolm McDowell's speeches. But she's going on this, like, 
cop adventure trying to figure out if this one Santa is evil and he pulls a gun on her. Yeah. 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 And she, Oh fuck. <laughs> so she, her arc is that like, apparently last year, like you, you don't have the guts for this job. Blah, blah, blah. Don't you remember what happened last year? And she's like, I think about that every day. So like, I think she's supposed to have lost her husband because the two of them were on a call and she You're didn't. the only one of the two of us that picked up this lost a husband last hey, Christmas. Thing. I'm not just the only one of the two of us. I'm the only one out of anybody involved in this movie who's trying to figure out what happened to her husband. Because <laughs> the movie definitely doesn't care. I never picked up that she was, like, other than her, today's a real hard day for me. That was the last I heard of it until she was pointing the gun at somebody and she's like, believe in yourself. <laughs> she shoots him right between the eyes. And then there's a moment, like, there's like a moment of recognition in his eyes where he's just like, okay, she's finally tough. Fly, fly, good little copy. I don't know. So, so this no, small no, 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 town. No, 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 please, please don't move on. This moment where she kills this guy, there's like another arc in her character is like, mm, what's a what's a nine letter word for a six sided item? Mm, what is it? And it's not a, it's obviously not dice. It's obviously not like a what sectagon sexagon. I don't, I don't even know what it is. Um, and like she's asking everybody she meets, like you wouldn't happen to know like a six sided item, would you? You're like it's got me nine words though. And then at the end, when she shoots that guy, she sees a little paper snowflake that happens to have. Is that what the snowflake yes! scene meant? Yes, she's like snowflake, a six sided item. And I was like, what the f- what? No, no. I never. That got... doesn't make any goddamn I sense. I thought that the snowflake was an air freshener and it meant he was the killer because he was trying to air freshen like bodies in his apartment. <laughs> I had no idea it was a six-sided item. I don't even know if it was an air freshener. It might have been. Oh my God. Like, I that it doesn't was, like, make any fucking sense. Cause... Seven scene where they come in with all the trees. <laughs> <laughs> so for this character to have an arc, we had to have two murdering Santas in this small town. This town has enough Santas to have two that are murderers. <laughs> he's not a murderer. He's just, he's willing. Why was murder. he trying to shoot her? He had drugs and I guess she was there and there was some, okay, well, here's the thing. He did attack her. <laughs> like, remember when she talked to him at the bar and then there was some concern that like, maybe I should take you in. Because I think you might be my guy. Yeah, and he tried to stab her, or he did stab her in the alleyway. Yeah. Why? I, I'm guessing he's a steel worker in a small town. He's got a past. He lives in a motel. Nobody lives in a motel unless they're planning on packing up and going at a moment's notice. That is the kind of person that has a to-go bag and always leaves their key in the ignition. Just in case at 2 a.m. they gotta get the fuck out. And then there's the mall Santa, who is just as bad. Yeah, he's like every... They gave him the longest monologue. Speaking of Malcolm McDowell monologues, he goes off about the shittiness of Christmas to our main character who just lets him ruin Christmas for her for and, like four and a half minutes. Well, I think it's also supposed to be that she feels the same way. Like, yeah, where's my perfect family? Where's my white picket fence? Oh, I want to be happy too. Like, we're supposed to kind of buy into what he's saying. Oh my God. But it's all nonsense. It it's is all nonsense. nonsense. And it's so long. He repeats himself. He gets yeah, repetitive. Yeah, yeah. I love that. She, it would be better if she was just bored and then he eventually stopped. Like... He's like, oh, I, I guess I'm done. And then in this entire movie, Aubrey saves one fucking person. Oh, that's it. She saves the receptionist. That's it. That is it. Malcolm McDowell gets flamethrower to the face. 
you brought a knife. Or wait. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I completely forgot about this. You, you can't even. You brought a flamethrower to a gunfight. <laughs> and then he flamethrowers him. And then he dies. <laughs> my, my favorite part, though, is that Malcolm McDowell still gets a few shots off. And there is a moment where he's like, mm. like <laughs> he realizes that, oh, wait, yeah, maybe a flamethrower was the right choice here. Oh, man. Yeah. Holy crap. So good. My okay. One of my other favorite things before we get to ratings uh, is Grandpa. It is such a weird turn. It doesn't make. It's not nearly as effective as it was in Silent Night, Deadly Night. And it. it they and they random. demonize his voice like he's got spirits Magical. inside of him. <laughs> yeah. He's just like tonight's the one night where you don't wanna be a naughty boy. You're like what? Like it's like the the only thing he didn't do was just like open his mouth and his eyes turn black and it's just like jaw drops to the oh, floor. And then the dialogue between that boy and the nurse is the worst writing I have ever seen. My, ever. my grandfather, he's awake. And she looks at him and he's and got she's it. like, uh huh. Yeah. And then he's like, he's been catatonic for over a year. Like you're telling the nurse this. His nurse. <laughs> oh my god. This movie rocks. Oh, <laughs> this boy. movie is so bad and so good. Oh, uh, and I, I uh, it's just a lot of fun is, is what it comes down to. This movie is a lot of fun. And that's why I am giving it the the dreaded two and a half out of four. That is the wasteland score. Oh. You never know. I'm giving it a two out of four and it's got a Christmas bump because it's fun. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. No, this movie's a lot of fun. It's, it's okay. It's, it's a terrible movie. I'm giving it a two and a half out of four with a two and a half point bump. <laughs> this movie doesn't deserve anything. Oh, boy. Oh, it's a hell of a lot of fun. What a fun Christmas watch. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Moving on, let's talk about another modern Christmas classic. <laughs> Rebootathon. The holiday rebootathon continues. With Black this one is not gonna let up. A group of college friends. That sucks. Everyone should be home for Christmas. Are about to discover. Lauren, we're opening up presents. Why don't you open the present we got you? Their house. I got it. Is his home. All is calm. All is bright. Who is in my house tonight? Don't you have lots of toys to deliver to good little boys and girls? You really shouldn't provoke somebody like and on December 25th... You're definitely getting punked. Is that Santa's reindeer? All he wants for Christmas... Is Megan in her room? Is a new family he can treat... Like his very own... Christmas from 2006. Currently sitting at a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes, 4.6 out of 10 on IMDb, 22% Metacritic rating, and 2.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I think what hurts the scores for this movie the most is that it's not great. Is that it's being <laughs> compared to the original, which is 
an incredible movie. Yeah, but so that is an undertaking that every reboot, remake, reimagining takes on when they take it on. I know, but when we're putting it against a movie like Silent Night, which is being compared to Silent Night, Deadly Night, it is not... The same that, level of comparison? Yeah, it's just like, oh, this movie's no good, which is fine, because it's just like that other movie that's no good. It's a double-edged sword, though, because they're using that name to their advantage in garnering a larger, already established audience, but that audience, half of them are coming with pitchforks. That's just the nature of it. You don't get to re-dip into that audience without getting some flames. That's just it. You know... It's occurring to me now that the greatest part about this conversation is that we're recording it before seeing the new Black Christmas. And I'm about to talk great things about this Black Christmas and my hope for the new Black Christmas. Uh, but my thoughts on that will already be out on the internet. So, eh. Yeah, we're in this weird stasis in time. Limbo for horror movies. Like a moth in its cocoon. A Christmas moth. Yo, did you know that there is a caterpillar I just found out that comes out this time of year when it's hella cold? I don't know why. A snow pillar? Yeah, and he's super duper furry. You've seen them before. Like coats? And, yeah, they look like they're wearing big furry coats from the 90s. And they freeze. Fully? Fully freeze. And they they essentially hibernate or just become icicles, and then in the spring they thaw, and then they cocoon. I don't know why that's part of their cycle. I love that. Yeah, you would think, oh, you know. Why do they need the coats, though? (laughs) Good point. (laughs) I guess just to last a little longer. Okay. Who knows? All right. So Black Christmas. Yeah, I was going to say, much like a uh, butterfly cocooning, cocooning? Emerging from the cocoon. The chrysalis period? Is that what we're getting at? Mm. What is the chrysalis part? Is the chrysalis the... Chrysalis is the name of the cocoon. It's... Okay. Isn't that what's happening inside the cocoon? No, the chrysalis is the cocoon. Ah. The metamorphosis happens inside the cocoon. Sure. Yep. Go <laughs> taking it right back to grade four, guys. We're, <laughs> we're dipping way back into the memory banks on that one. Emerges a new film. This one. <laughs> okay, so. First real watch of this movie. Now, I think last Christmas, or maybe it was wasn't on in the even, background. It yeah. wasn't even Christmas time. Put this on in the background. I'm going to say this now. I liked it more when I half watched it. Yeah, me too. I think I've only ever half watched it. Um, it just becomes a slasher, and every time you see like blood on the screen or an eyeball, because there's a lot of them, you look up and you're like, huh, dark. But when you actually watch this movie, and I'm sorry for those of you that love it, because I know there's a few of you on Twitter. I tweeted that we were watching this uh, when we watched it, and a lot of you came out and were like, yeah, you're giving it a chance. It's a really bad story. I'm hey. sorry, guys. Hey. It's a kind of an awful movie. Hey. What about the front half of this movie, though? kind of an awful movie no okay so here's <laughs> i was i was like deep into act two going like fuck yeah we had this to- <laughs> movie rocks i can't wait to defend it okay so i have to say something else we had to pause this movie halfway through to have an argument <laughs> because okay so going into this thought it was a pure reboot thought it was like a clean solid reboot john don't say anything because uh. i know what you're gonna say <laughs> and while I was watching it, I got very confused because of how much they were mentioning Billy and then the massacre that had happened in the uh, sorority house and la 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 la. So in my head, I then made it a long overdue sequel so that this was the same Billy 
that was returning to the sorority house like 15, 20 years later. And you're like, why are you so young? To kill more sorority kids. Through half of the movie, I held this belief. So I was frustrated every single time they showed the house and it didn't look like the house. Every single time we showed Billy's eye and he had jaundice. And like every moment. Yeah. And uh, when I, st I started bringing up things to John about how it was uh, fucking up its own timeline. Because I was like, what? So he killed his family in like 1983, but the original... Black Christmas is in the 70s. This doesn't make any sense, John. This reboot is dumb. <laughs> I could. Uh, that was that was where I just had to pause. The we movie. had to like <laughs> break like, it whoa, down. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold like, on. You a know, second. this is a reboot, right? And I was like, it whoa. is a reboot, but it's a reboot in a sequel land. And then he was like, no, no. No, I don't. Yeah. And so everything, every angry thought I had held the first half of the movie made no sense. Just like turn into smoke and ash in your hands. I swear to God, though, that they made it confusing because the the intro scene where all the girls are having their their sad Christmas party. Yeah. They're talking about a massacre. So I didn't think it was a sequel until that moment. I went into this thinking it was a reboot, and then the film made me think it was a sequel. Yeah, and so then I got confused. It's just some miscommunication at the front. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call killing two to two people a massacre yeah because they're they call them a serial killer and they're like no it was a spree killing yeah you see i think maybe some of that was to be used in a trailer some of that was maybe just as a reference to the original but yeah he definitely did not um have a massacre I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but there were a few things at the beginning of the movie that led me to the storyline that we were in, where he had he's locked up because he's killed his parents. The house. Is oh now yeah, a this film really expands. So the original Black Christmas gives you creepy collar, scary eye, the word Agnes. Figure it out yourself. The word Agnes screeched into a phone. Some creepy like I'm gonna kill you stuff, and that's it. This film takes all of that and makes this fucked up sleepaway camp flowers in the attic story hmm. and it's bonkers like i almost want to give it credit because it's so outlandish but i'm also just like what the fuck are we doing here it's interesting because it is essentially the it written and directed by glenn morgan it is essentially his idea or his explanation for what happened in the original Black Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's not so much that he's like reimagining the story so much. Obviously he is, but uh, he's giving you the background info that we didn't get in, in Bob Clark's and honestly, Black we Christmas. never wanted and didn't need. I don't know about the never want. I'm disappearing away. <laughs> but definitely the never need. I can, I can agree with the never need. Can we please, please though, admit to ourselves, just looking at you here, that the beginning of this movie rocks. It's so, so good. No. <laughs> oh, I love because every bit of the beginning no. of this movie. Okay, you. I'm going to tell you what I don't like, and then you can steamroll with all your positive thoughts. Let's hear it. Black Christmas, the original one, ends in this nihilistic way because the killer is still in the fucking attic being a creep. Uh-huh. Not caught. Uh-huh. And that's spooky. Uh-huh. And this one starts with him in... Solitary confinement. Ooh, how's he gonna get out? <sighs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, every time they open that little slot, that was pretty good. When they look in yes, on Yes, that's what I'm like, saying. They gave him a rocking chair and fucking Christmas lights. So and here's... candy canes. You never give a... It's like giving them a pencil. They can sharpen that shit. 
yeah, no, that was a mistake on their part. They brought it on themselves. But just oh, the, the setup of that scene where this, first off, Santa comes wandering into the prison cell. It's like, I was looking for the kids ward. You're like, whoa, kids ward? Where are we? They're in a sanitarium, but you think they're in a prison. <laughs> yeah. I, it says for the criminally insane outside. Babies with the are criminally lightning insane. Lightning and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Earlier, earlier. Um, I just want to say that ward is ward number 1225. Huh. I was it ward 1225 or was the password to get in? 1225? No, it was 1225 on the door. Okay, my mistake. Yeah. Then chances are the password he put in was the re- release date for the original Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Santa is there. They're handing out food and it's just dank and dark and gray and dimly lit. And oh my God, is that is that Billy Lenz's cell? He killed his whole goddamn family when I was a kid. Oh, I remember that. And the guard's like, you want to wish him a Merry Christmas? And he just opens the slot a little bit, and you see fucking Christmas lights in there. I love how that's presented. It looks so good. Yeah, and we see him just a silhouette in a rocking chair. It looks awesome. He breaks out of prison in the coolest way. Here's here's the thing. Let's imagine a short film. You are watching the seasons change, and you, you're, you're watching the seasons change through a prison guard who's just in a hallway that is just bolted steel and just slots and like they just put food in and scraps come out and then one day at Christmas a criminally insane person puts a present out for you. That alone is just a amazing image. All right, Where so, did he get it? How did he do it? Okay. You open it up and All there's right. a wrapper inside that uh-huh. says I'll be home for Christmas and then the guard goes yeah in your dreams Billy. Like this is great writing. I love it. Okay so I have some reverse steam for your role there John. <laughs> sure let's hear it. This whole breaking out of the mental asylum sanitarium sequence comes after there has already been a murder at the sorority house. I don't love how that's put together. I Because agree. the end of this movie is a big surprise because Agnes, this inbred sister that we'll talk about, is a second killer in this movie. But we already know from the fucking beginning that there's a second killer. And there is no successful subversion there. Other than the fact that they're playing on us not being able to tell what an inbred person looks like at the end. I would say if you, and this is something And it looks like I, Sammy Kerr from Trick or Treat. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is something I don't necessarily want to keep dipping back into, because uh, it's it's muddy waters, but um, I think that's playing on the original Black Christmas, where there are two killers, I think. I'm not sure. What? Uh, you, have you never thought that there's two killers? No. You really? Okay, well, there's, okay, there is at you least You think it's the boyfriend, and then dangerous you don't think people. it's the boyfriend. Here's, here's the then... other thing, though. I think it is the boyfriend that kills Margot Kidder, though. Doesn't it kind of look exactly like him? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Every year I watch that movie more than once, and then I'm like, ah! It's the boyfriend that kills Margot Kidder, but no one else. Uh, and I, why? Pfft, I don't know. And then I watch it again, and I go, oh, that couldn't possibly be him. That doesn't make any damn sense. I think they maybe just used him to film the shot. Or it's it's not supposed to be him. Anyway, doesn't matter. Moving on. Why don't you like this movie? <laughs> I just didn't enjoy it. No, that's fine. You don't, you don't have to enjoy also, it. Also, the power goes out halfway through, and I lose all the Christmas lights. I'm here for the Christmas lights. <laughs> that's a really good point. That's a really good point. They spent all that money on decorations, and nobody got the power back on. And they all have Christmas lights in their bedrooms. So many. Like, the whole hallway is Christmas lights all over everything. This could just as easily be an acid house where people show up and just take wild drugs. Except the fact that it's, like, vacuumed. 
Okay, sure. And people care about it. <laughs> Except for the flooring. Like, I don't know why the house inspector wasn't like, hey, these tiles are on nothing. How does nobody notice that? Especially in the bathroom. Seems like somebody's been living in these walls. <laughs> yeah, if the tile was just loose, you could maybe live with that. But the fact that there is a hole underneath. There's just eye holes throughout the house. <laughs> oh, man. There was a scene where we lingered on Peter Laurie's face on a poster, and instead of him, like, burrowing a hole where Peter Laurie's eye. eyes are, we just watch him, like, push out a pin. <laughs> <laughs> and look through the tiniest fucking hole. Oh, boy. Yeah, I think I think the opening of the movie adds some confusion. I think, especially, too, with uh, how you were thinking about this being a sequel kind of thing. Because there was a moment where I was really trying to figure out where that first kill takes place. Yeah, because you told me, because I was like, when did that happen? You were like, oh, it was a while ago. And all those people are looking for that girl. So clearly it was like minutes before they had their party. Well, as the person who made this movie and wrote this movie and also published a book on this movie, I am definitely the person to ask. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I made, a, I made a snap decision guess, and I was wrong. Moments later, I figured I was wrong, and I thought you'd also course correct. I was fucked for the whole first <laughs> half of the film. I just was on a different sailboat. <laughs> I can't even begin to describe to you just what I love about this movie. I think it has a great style. I think the kills are awesome. It just, it's fun to watch. And then we get into flashback territory, and I have a hard, hard time with it. It's weird, too, because it starts in a, like a clip show style, like somebody starts telling a story and then we go to the flashback town, we learn a bunch of stuff and then we get back in there by somebody else telling a story and it's just half of the movie becomes a story within a story. I It does feel kind of Christmassy because it's almost like we're telling the Grinch. Yeah, um, you tell ghost stories at Christmas. But uh, man, where they take Billy and... It's just, it's a place. They also very quickly made a tradition of giving presents to Billy for Secret Santa. It was only, I I like it too, but it was 15 years ago, and it's been a tradition for a long time. Yeah. Which means they started doing it the year after. (laughs) Like, as soon as they got that sorority house. Uh, like whenever it went on the market because nobody was buying houses next to the next to the house where a kid killed his whole family mm-hmm. and it became sorority and frat row. Um, that's something they immediately took up. The girls of Alpha, Beta, Gamma, whatever the name of the sorority is, were macabre. Like the founders of that sorority house had some darkness in them. I like it. Yeah, it's great. There is an obsession with eyeballs in this movie that I haven't quite figured out. There's a it's purely because they they had such so little to work with. They had a, a spider cloud or whatever you call those brainstorm clouds yeah. of things from the first movie and eyeballs was the first one because of that's all we see of Billy's eye. Yeah. And then they were like, let's give him jaundice. Let's make him Sin City Yellow. Let's, let's, let's focus on one mistake at a time. Let's focus on the eyeballs. Now, I gotta say, in terms of pulling off practical effects. He didn't hear my Sin City Yellow. And oh, I heard it. Up. We're gonna talk about that yellow bastard in a minute. But um, the eyeball thing. Looks great. When they pull eyeballs out, so I love many, it. Though. So I, many. I know, I know. It's and even weird. plastic eyeballs and glass eyeballs and doll eyeballs, there's so many fucking it's just eyeballs. A, it's just a thing. And they're ornaments. Get. They become Christmas ornaments. I like that touch. I think it looks great. All of a sudden it makes sense. Like, ooh, I get it, I get it. But he so he he smothers people with bags and then he pulls their eyeballs out. 
And I gotta say, it's it's a smart decision, special effects wise. That's what I'm getting at. It's so smart because you don't have to have an entire fake head that's gotta look good the whole time and scream and still be alive when the eye when the eyes get gouged out. You can just have a bag over, you can plop it out, and it looks awesome. Looks great every time. Unfortunately, it happens every time. Mm-hmm. And also, it's just been something that he's been doing his whole life. And you're right. I think it's it's only because we have such a great shot, an iconic shot from the original Black Christmas, and they tried to replicate it as much as they could. We've got plenty of shots of his crazy eyeball in the floor and the wall and the ceiling. And... Looking at things with impossible angles. Oh, yeah. That, that <laughs> he shower. He could not see that girl in the shower. No, even if he had popped a tile by the door, the other end of the room, there is no way he's he getting He would have had angle. to pop a tile out through the toilet to see her <laughs> with a periscope. <laughs> That would have been more believable. What if he had just had, like, some dental tools? Like, just, like, a few of those mirrors held up? Yes! I would have believed it! Yeah. And then she notices because, like, an Egyptian mirror, like, light refracts off of it and (laughs) And catches her. And her in the eye. Oh, God! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well. Mm. She threw up all over herself, by the way. She got drunk so fast. We saw her drink, like, a glass of wine and be, like, a bit of a bitch. And then they were like, you're too drunk to live now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. What's with the eyeballs in this movie? I don't get it. Looks cool. Looks great. Like, almost every time. But, yeah. It's it's there a lot. Let's talk about jaundice, I guess. I don't understand that decision. I don't know. I don't know. I... <laughs> yeah, they they went they went hard into backstory, and I've said this before. Um, I especially talked about it when we did the Doctor Sleep t- uh, chat. That I really am very sensitive with my sequels trying to expand on original lore. Yeah, uh, this is a reboot. Technically, it's not a sequel, even though I thought that for half a film. <laughs> but the fact that it tries to expand and tell uh, the origin story hurts what is so wonderful about the original black christmas and i'm absolutely fine if you want to reboot remake whatever but don't try to uh touch my original and you know i do kind of have to give them credit because they go so so far out of left field like they really tried to make their own movie here um by doing this crazy story but the enigma of billy is what's so compelling about him as a as a villain couldn't agree more I, I don't want to know anything more about exactly. Billy. Exactly. Like, that's what's so spooky about him. And that's why we are just as confused as the girls not in the original film in suspecting the boyfriend and stuff because we really do not know who it is. In this film, I literally thought the final girl, Kelly, was going to be Agnes. I, I think that would have been a great turn. I was counting every scene where her hair was in front of one of her eyeballs. So it's like, oh, they're <laughs> going to call back to this and the, the eye's not going to reflect light just a little bit off because it's going to be a fake eye. And we never hear anybody on the other end of that 911 call. It could just as easily she, have been her making up the whole thing. Exactly. She had every opportunity. She's always the one that says, there's no service, there's no service, there's no service. When the house mother and 10 Cloverfield Lane try to leave in the car. She wants them to stay. She wants them to stay. Yeah. And she comes up with a piss poor excuse, but she tries to get them to stay. So I assumed the whole time that she was Agnes and she was infiltrating from within the sorority. What if that was an alternate ending? And if it was 15 years ago, would have all made sense. But no, Agnes is actually just this second Billy running around. I really and we knew about a second Billy from the beginning. (laughs) I did start doing the math. I was like, I don't know. I think 19. She was born in 1982, maybe 1983. Movies set in current modern 2006. I don't think it's adding up. She's way too old to be in the sorority. But. That would have been a good ending. They just put a wig on Sammy Kerr. 
<laughs> he sure did. Yeah, I don't I don't know why he's so yellow. I don't know what it adds to the movie at all. Other than the fact that the flashbacks now become like very primary color based. Like the color palette for the flashbacks are your traditional Christmas lights. But the flashbacks are so yellow toned. They are there, more yellow than a David Fincher movie. There are <laughs> <laughs> There are points where I forget that he's yellow skinned until like a major scene because mom is yellow, Agnes is yellow, adopted dad is yellow, yeah. incest is yellow. Ugh. Mom's skin cookies are yellow. I don't think he needed to be yellow. Like we could just as easily have a kid that she hates. She could just hate him. Maybe she always wanted a girl. Yeah, maybe, you know. And she's like, could, get in the attic with you. Yeah, she just hates dad, so she hates the kid they made together and they kill dad and the kid's still around and you know, hijinks ensue. I can't believe she rapes her son. Yeah, that was... that's so fucked. Yeah. Oh man. They, I'm telling you, they went for it. Like, if they were, they were, they, they really, and then they went had an incest it. baby, and you're just like, what? What is happening? At this, uh, that family, and it, they push it back in the timeline. Like, this isn't happening way in the past. Like, this is supposed to be happening in the 80s and 90s. Yep, 1982. In a McMansion, an incest baby. How are they affording this house? Old money. Also, mom was giving total what happened to baby Jane vibes. When she was uh, with her first infant, when she just had Billy, the first husband is like, the actor is like 30, and she's she's pulling a light 50. Oh, yeah. And then they age her even more, and I'm just like, whoa. I think it's the alcohol. I think the alcohol <laughs> and the smoking did it. Don't smoke. Oh, boy. Um, she does look a little dry. You know what we haven't talked about? What's that? The overreaction to the boyfriend sleeping with one of the sorority girls scene. That they really hinged a lot of drama yeah. on this, uh, the pause with his face like grunting at the camera. <laughs> and they, they tried to build so much tension with it. And when Kelly finally sees it, like she has a breakdown. But let's just cover a couple things here. There's no context. We have no context because nobody said anything about this beforehand. So the boyfriend says that it happened before they were dating. I, I do want to point out that Lauren, I think, is the it's the it's Lauren's computer. She has videotape of her sleeping with the boyfriend. Uh-huh. Kelly's boyfriend. Yeah. And she seems sad about okay, it. Okay, but she's dead when Kelly finds <laughs> out. So Yeah, we, no, but when Lauren sees the videotape, she doesn't look happy about it. Like she Well, maybe because she's guilty because she knows that Kelly doesn't know anything about their relationship. There are no words spoken. We do not we are jumping to fucking conclusions here. Okay. The the boyfriend says was before we were dating, and she's just like, You need a camera to get your kicks. How much footage do you have of me? And he's basically like, I don't. And she's like, I don't believe you. Get out of my house. Actually, I don't even think she says, how much footage do you have of me? She just says, how many tapes? She never says, mm. am I on a tape? But the implication to me is, you've taped me also. That is bad. That is very bad. You but I do Baldwin'd not... me out of Flatliners. I, what? <laughs> you remember that in Flatliners? I forgot about that. Okay, whatever. Uh, I do not grasp that from the scene because his defense is a pretty good defense. And the fact that Lauren who we're calling Lauren, I'm not sure if that's her actual name, no is idea. not there to corroborate anybody's story. True. We kind of just have to go with the truth that we have. Yeah. If if maybe she goes she t goes to his apartment and he shows her that there's none of that other creepy stuff 
on uh, his computer and that the girls look like they're aware of the camera being there, then it's kind of fine. Yeah, I don't. I don't I don't know what the situation is because in in some way it makes me think that a friend of his uploaded the tapes but maybe not and even if that's the case if it's uploaded to the internet he does not need to break into Lauren's room to delete them Is that what he was doing cuz he I don't seemed know. real chill when uh, Kelly was almost walking by the computer. I didn't think he knew that what the screen was on. No, he did. There were a few reaction shots where he was like <laughs> as she was like inching closer and closer. He almost got away with it too because like there was like a low battery thing that popped up right in front of his face. <laughs> and you know, a normal person like Kelly would be like, "Oh, she's watching porn. I better leave." But instead, she was just like, "Low battery." What is that? And then the low battery message went away, which it never does. The computer just dies. <laughs> Turn, turns <Yeah>. off. <laughs> it revealed what's his face's face. Oh, it's good. What was your favorite death of the movie? Favorite death of the movie. Which eyeball removal was your favorite eyeball removal? I, okay, I know. My favorite eyeball removal was from uh the house mother, Miss Swanson? Sanson? What's her? She's from the... Uh, I've completely lost her name. She's from the original Black Christmas. She's in my Big Fat Greek Wedding. Um, I loved her. Yeah, like what? Yeah. She was the only smart person in the whole. She's the one that wanted to go get the cops. And then she still does, even she... after all the whining and pleading, and all like, the dumb whining and pleading. Very dumb. She's like, you know what? If you want to stay, that's totally fine. I believe that scene because I thought Kelly was Agnes in that in yeah. that moment because I was like, oh, she's just trying to convince her because she's actually Agnes. Yeah. But I, I do love that she doesn't continue to argue with her. She's, She's just like, like, that's cool. Okay. You can all stay here and protect each other. I think that's a great idea. We are going to send police. We're getting out. Even if they just got in the car and hung out down the street, I still think that's a safer decision. But so they, they leave, and Mary Elizabeth Weinstead is going with her, and she explodes into blood in the car for some reason. There are a few kills in this movie where we don't see what happens, but just blood. Like, <laughs> like a lot of squidgy blood. Yeah, he like creeps up behind somebody, I think in prison. I think it's it's the Santa. And it's just like squelch. <laughs> yeah, just just like a whole lot of blood on his feet. No head, no entrails. We don't know what happened. It's just, oh, death. Uh, and the same thing happens to Mary Elizabeth Weinstead in the car. She's in there, and it's foggy, and she's like, oh, I wonder what's going on over there. And just <laughs> on the windshield. But like a gusher, she gets super terrified and she backs away from the car right to the garage or barn or and something. And she just like dies by misadventure. Yes, exactly. An icicle falls directly into her eye, which pushes her eyeball out through the back of her head. And I love it. That's mine too. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that so whole good. sequence is my favorite. It's like, a, it's great. Yeah. Cause you're, you're so proud of them for going and then, you know, they're not going to make it. Yeah. And it's also just, I think that's right before the power goes out. Like that's the last time that we get Christmas lights. Are there Christmas lights then? Yeah, there's Christmas lights up top. Mm. The whole scene looks great. The only other thing that we have not yet mentioned that I wanted to talk about was how weird. So at some point, the older sister of our girl that died in the cold open yes, shows up. And she is shot in this whole movie like it's a all-star superstar cameo. Yeah. And it's... The teacher from the original Final Destination. <laughs> yeah, and Glenn Morgan, who directed this movie, was one of the writers for Final Destination, wrote Final Destination 3. The producer of Black This Black Christmas is James... James Wong? I but, think? like, the zoom pan they do when yeah. she turns around from the window, you're just like, can I recognize I think it was written for... Olivia. Like, Margot Kidd, like, yeah, or, like, Olivia Hussey. Olivia Margot Hussey Kitt. or Margot Kidd. Yeah. yeah. But, and I, I do love that they... 
they they didn't change the shot list. They didn't change the script. They didn't change the music. And her character really only exists to be this weird, like, no, unless I see her body, she's not dead. So they she perpetually pushes them forward, like, to stay in the house, to go to the attic, which is a bad idea. All of these bad decisions are because she can't come to terms with the fact that her sister, who she's not even close with, is not dead. Even though every other person they have come across is missing their fucking eyes. I love when they are locked in the attic at the end with the killer, and there are dead bodies everywhere, and they're trying to figure out how to escape, and at some point, she accidentally steps through the ceiling. Again, she's like dangling into a bedroom, and she's freaking out as though she's going to fall down the Grand Canyon. She's like, help me! This is like, this is good for you. This is Keep great. going down. Leave. Yeah. <laughs> this is the escape hatch. Just go. But no. And when she hits the floor, she's like knocked out. It's like, you fell at most eight feet. And her, even then. Her feet were probably only like four feet from the ground. You wouldn't even twist an ankle. Think about how big a dorm room or sorority. Well, I don't know how big a sorority There's room There's a is. chance you might fall on a bed. That's what I'm saying. That bed <laughs> takes up so much real estate in that tiny little room. You might even fall on a computer desk. Big deal. The lottery here is like fall through a floor or get your eyes gouged out. Like, yeah. Why is it even a choice at this point? I do fucking love the reveal though when we've got all the dead bodies upstairs and they are all around arranged around the Christmas tree like presents and their eyes are gouged and out. they're all home for Christmas. Right? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. But this is also where we, you know, reveal that... Uh, I'm not a, uh, I'm not Billy, I'm Agnes. Even though you knew that Agnes was here, I'm Agnes. You're like, oh my God, is that is that your brother coming? Like, no, that's my daddy coming. Like, like we know. Why didn't we get a scene it's where... It's Ag- Yeah. Does Ag... So, do you think... Agnes always lived in the sorority? Like, she broke, no, she broke out of... When? I don't know. They didn't say like, oh my god, I can't believe, oh, what, Billy broke out. Did you happen to know All that we Agnes a, broke out? a telephone, like a purple monkey dishwasher story <laughs> about, like, nobody knows what happened to Agnes. Well, they but say she had that she her baby in, doll and yeah. she was in... A mental institution. Yeah. She was in some and sort of care. the girls find the baby doll and they're like, oh no, Agnes is out. And so we definitely know Agnes is out. Yeah, she's also, well, she's definitely an adult at this point, so they probably checked her out, and she just, like, snuck back into the sorority and has been living in the walls. Yeah. That's what I think. And then her dad comes home for Christmas. And it's like a family reunion. Oh, so great. Are you ready to do ratings? No, I'm not ready to do ratings, because I do want to talk about the phone. I think they do. First, the phone calls are not good. The phone calls are very, very not good. The (laughs) The phone calls are just, like, a gateway to flashbacks and just too much information like we're repeating the things we see in flashbacks or we're we're teasing the things we're about to see in flashbacks and that's how we're learning more about billy and agnes's story and i don't care about it the original black christmas they are just creepy fucking phone calls but it's 2006 how do you solve how do you top or at least come close to the the calls coming from inside the house moment and it's by having this the the dead girls calling like they're calling from their own cell phone i think that was a smart choice uh, you know, it's not nearly as effective as the original Black Christmas, but I'm not talking about the original Black Christmas here. All right, fine, fair point. Yeah, I guess, I guess you got nothing to say. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess I guess we could go to ratings. 
Did you did you not like the Wait a minute. We didn't even talk about the fucking hospital. Like holy shit. We did talk about the hospital at length. <laughs> How is she? No, no, I mean the end of the movie. How is that girl hiding oh in god, the drop ceiling? Oh my god. Mice will fall through a drop ceiling. Oh fuck. And also she's got just uh the whole thing. The whole thing. And just frying her with the defibrillator. We, we have to watch her open the present from her dead sister and then she dies and then it's just it's so much. It's a whole thing. It is a whole thing. She looks great though, and she's all like scarred up. I do like that. That that uh, I do like the climax where they're fighting in the walls and shit, and the Christmas trees falling down. There is a lot of space in between their walls. Yeah, a lot and of space. Not a lot of insulation. I was gonna say they've definitely taken all the insulation out in order to crawl. Like that gap is supposed to be for insulation. So one, this house is hella cold in the winter and also hella hot in the summer guys you gotta get up on that insulation but also sound travels everywhere they would hear somebody crawling through the walls or sneezing <laughs> they would hear anything oh boy yeah fuck okay so i'm giving this movie a one out of four i'm giving this movie a i'm giving this movie a two out of four fuck it i said it there are parts of this movie that I love. I, I love the opening. I love some of the middle. And the, the you know, that's, you know, I'm just going to leave it at that. I am, this is what I'm going to do from now on. Okay. I'm putting this movie on and I'm watching the shit out of it <laughs> until we reveal Billy's jaundice. And I'm watching the shit out of it until we get to flashback land. And then I'm going to just start wrapping presents. That's my plan. Okay. So when. This episode will have dropped. Uh-huh. We will have seen Black Christmas 2019, Blumhouse's mm-hmm. Black Christmas. What, do you want to predict what your rating will be? Uh, my, my rating's probably going to be somewhere around two out of four, just based on the trailer. Yeah, I'm thinking it's going to be two or two and a half out of four. I'm yeah. hoping. I'm, I'm, hoping. I'm hoping for a three out of four, because yeah. like, you know, like whatever, it's... It looks completely different. It seems like they've abandoned the Billy story, which is fine. Like, maybe our villain will be named Billy. Who knows, though? It might be an urban legend or something. Mm. Sorority. I'm I'm enthusiastic, Yo, but... what if the sorority frat thing is just, like, the first, like, act and a half? Like, the, it's, like, the midpoint of the movie. It's like, and wow, we defeated yeah. the frat. Let's go home and drink some mulled wine. Who Everything's knows? safe at home. Who knows? Uh, but you guys will be in the future, the present. Black Christmas is out we will have recorded a Drive Home from the Drive-In episode of the 2019 Black Christmas, which you can listen to exclusively on Patreon in exchange for supporting Nightmare on Film Street. Uh, what happens is you leave us a monthly pledge, one of our many tier amounts. I mean, you can get as low as a dollar an episode, uh, and you'll get tons of other rewards like those bonus episodes, shoutouts on the show, and tons of other stuff there. So that's at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. What? Until next time, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. creepy. And have a Merry Christmas. I was going to say that too. (laughs) Merry Christmas, everybody. It appears you made it out alive. Just long enough to tell the tale of the nightmare on Film Street. Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation on Twitter by following at N-O-F-S Podcast. And as always, more terror can be found lurking on our website, 
www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com. Until next week, stay creepy, fiends. <laughs>